Good evening. Uh, thank you for joining us in person and thank you for joining us online. We're going to be continuing on with our Truth for Living series as we go through a catechism. Uh, we're on the second theme of that catechism, which is talking about God's greatness. And throughout this time, we've been discussing and talking about uh, the attributes of God and how God is greater than us. Uh, we'll continue on tonight with question nine. Um, as each theme has ten questions, we're almost completing this theme, which question nine is going to sort of sum up and talk about again all of the things that we've discussed in how God is greater than us. The first question was, does God reveal in his word that he is greater than us? And the answer was yes. The shortest answer so far that we've had. And the memory verse for that question was found in Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We continued on with the second question, asking, what is our God, what is our great God like? The answer, our great God, is invisible, eternal, all-powerful, all-wise, and always everywhere at once. And from this answer, it went further and broke up into the following questions to further explain how God is invisible, eternal, all-powerful, all-wise, and always everywhere at once. The memory verse for question two was Job 40, verse 9. Have you an arm like God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? Question three, did God ever have a beginning or will he have an end? And the answer was no, God is eternal. He always has been alive and always will be alive. And we discussed how God had no beginning, no end, how God is infinite over time. And we discussed how God is the living God and he shall never perish. Revelation 1.8 was the memory verse for that question. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Question four, does the Lord ever give up, get tired, or change in any way? The answer was no. The Lord is unchanging, eternally great in every way. We discussed that week how God is immutable and how God is impassable, how God doesn't change and how God is not affected or changed or swayed by emotion. We discussed how God is reliable, that his promises do not change and how he himself does not change. The memory verse for that was from Malachi 3, 6, the first part of that verse for I the Lord do not change and made it quite clear that God doesn't change 
Question five, does God have a body like human beings do? The answer, no. God is a spirit invisible to our human eyes. And we discussed that week how God is spirit, how God is not um, part of the creation, but he is separate from his creation, how he is uh, of his own substance, that God is not contained by or constrained by his creation, how he is spirit. John 4, 24 was our memory verse for that week. God is spirit, and those who worship him, worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. We continued on with question six. How powerful is God? The answer being, God is omnipotent, which means he is all-powerful and can do anything he pleases. That week we discussed what it meant for God to be all-powerful, and that was one of the first of three omni-words, that he is omnipotent, meaning he's all-powerful, that there's nothing that can thwart his purposes. Our memory verse that week was Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. The Lord, ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. We continued on with question seven. What does God know? The answer is God is omniscient. Mitch means that he knows all things, even the secrets of our hearts. That week we discussed how God knows all things. We discussed how he knows our comings and goings. He knows when we stand up and when we sit down. We discussed Psalm 139. And we also focused on how God knows our hearts. That he knows our hearts better than we even know our hearts. In 1 John 3.20, the second half of the verse, John writes, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. God knows what is to come, what has happened. There's nothing that can be hidden from him. We continued on with question eight, where is God? And we had the answer, God is omnipresent, which means that he is everywhere all the time. God is not constrained by one physical location, but God's presence transcends uh, physical limitations. We discussed how God cannot be contained, how God cannot be measured, that he is infinite, and how he does manifest his ways and he manifests his presence in many ways he shows his way, presence uh, through many ways and we discussed through the Old Testament and how he showed his presence through the incarnation of how he came into the flesh as Jesus Christ and that he was Emmanuel God with us and ultimately, now his presence is shown through his Holy Spirit 
as we are the temple of the Holy Spirit for all those who believe in him. The memory verse for that week about God's omnipresence was found in Jeremiah 23:24. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? We discussed again, looking at Psalm 139, how David says that there's nowhere he can go from God's presence. That God's presence is everywhere in creation. Not that God, and we refuted some of the uh, false beliefs that God is in his creation, as to be taught by pantheism, and we also discussed how the biblical view of God being outside of his creation, but being able to interact with his creation. Question nine, as we come to tonight, as we are summing up this discussion about God's attributes and God's greatness, we come to the question nine. Can anyone match God's greatness? The answer is no one can match God. He is infinitely greater than anyone else. We know that God is high above his creation. That he is infinitely, we will focus on how God is infinitely greater than anyone else. No one could measure up to him. The memory verse for this week is found in 1 Timothy 1.17. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. We're going to discuss tonight by how God's greatness is not matched by anyone by going through this verse in each each way that Paul describes God throughout this verse we're going to take them and discuss them so first in this verse we see that God alone is sovereign God alone is sovereign, meaning that God is the ruler of all creation. We see this in 1 Timothy 1.17, to the king of the ages. God holds authority over everything. He's matchless in his authority. He is supreme over all. He has the authority to judge And he has the authority to give and take away authority. Daniel writes that it is God who raises up the kings and tears down the kings. We know that God alone has authority. He has the authority to forgive, the authority to judge and condemn, the authority to tear down nations and rise up kings. He has the authority to rule over all of us. We see this as Jesus was before Pilate. 
And Pilate asked Jesus, well, don't you know that I have the authority to let you go? Why don't you answer me? And Jesus said to him that the only authority that Pilate had was the authority that was given to him by God. Authority is shown throughout all of the eternity of time that, his, that it's God's authority alone. We can see from the beginning of time in creation to the end with the judgment, the final judgment, that God alone has authority, that God alone is sovereign. We see in Exodus fifteen eighteen that the Lord will reign forever and ever, that Yahweh, particularly the one only true God, will reign forever and ever. We see that from the beginning, God gave authority to Adam to have dominion over the earth. He gave authority, and he showed his authority by judging the earth through the flood. We see that he had authority over the nations as he scattered those uh, from the Tower of Babel. We see that he has the authority to establish his own nation, to show his glory through his people, through the patriarchs. We see that God showed his authority over Egypt by throughout with Joseph and also with Moses, through showing that his great power um, compared to Egypt's false gods, he had all of those plagues to show that he alone is God and also the authority to let his people go and make it so that he would give freedom to the captives. We see that God's authority is displayed by giving the law. He starts in Exodus 20. We read that he is the Lord. He is the one who has delivered his people out of captivity. And he has authority to give the law. He has showed his authority in his sovereignty through his nation of Israel, his own people, by going and showing justice and um, going through and conquering nations through Israel, and also his authority through his prophets, that he had authority over the kings, the nations, that his word is final. We see in Psalm 145, verse 13, the psalmist writes, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Psalm 10, 16, The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. Psalm 47, 7, For God is the king of all of the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. We see that God alone is sovereign. That he is the creator, and because he's the creator, he has authority. He alone is supreme, and he has 
ultimate control over all of his creation. And he is worthy to be praised because he alone is the King of Kings. We continue on in 1 Timothy 1.17 with the next description of God saying that he is immortal. We see that God alone is eternal. That God alone has no beginning and no end. That he is never dying. We saw that when we asked the question, does God have a beginning or the end? an end? And the answer was no. He is living from, with no beginning, no end. He's eternal. There's nothing about him that could be destroyed or corrupted. That God is immortal and he does not decay. He does not uh, grow weak. But instead, he is infinitely living, infinitely who he is. And of course, contrasting to us, our life is but a vapor. God is eternal. He is immortal. And we came from the dust and we returned to dust. Our lives are a vapor. God is immortal, eternal. We see in 1 Timothy 6, 15 through 16, when Paul is finishing his letter up with to Timothy, he's discussing the coming again of Jesus Christ, how the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's being charged to keep the commandments, to keep them spotless, blameless, he writes in this to say, talking about Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time, speaking about Christ. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Paul recognized that God alone has authority, that he alone is sovereign, and that he alone is immortal. That God has no beginning or an end. In Revelation 1.18, as the revealing that Jesus Christ is God made in the flesh and he comes and he declares what he has declared in uh, Isaiah through the prophet Isaiah I am the Alpha and the Omega says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come the Almighty because God is eternal because he is creator because he has authority over all he is the Almighty He is God. And we see those who reject God, that we see that they are fools. In Romans 1, 22 through 23, claiming to be wise, this is those of the world, they became fools 
and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. We see that they take what is clearly presented in creation that God alone is immortal. They reject that and they go and worship things created. We see that God alone is eternal. Next, we see in 1 Timothy 1.17 that Paul describes God as invisible. We talked about this previously, about how God is spirit, how God is not of the same substance as his creation. We see that God alone is uncreated. He has no beginning, no end. He is not made by hands. He is he is existent. He he is has he was not created. God is spirit and not part of the created world. We know that God is all-knowing and all-seeing. That although we do not see him, he is there. He is present everywhere. He is omnipresent. He is omniscient, knowing all things. God is invisible, and we cannot see him. But we know that Jesus Christ was the image of the invisible God, that Jesus Christ was the expressed image of a God who we cannot see. But although God is not visible to us, his invisible attributes, his, he, he made himself and he revealed, he revealed himself through creation. Romans 1.20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Those who we saw earlier, a few slides ago, that uh, claiming to be wise, they were fools and rejected the immortal God. Paul says that they're without excuse for the invisible qualities, the invisible attributes of God. We can look at creation and see that it was indeed created, that there is a creator, and that we're without excuse if we were to deny the immortal, eternal, all-powerful God. John chapter 1 Verse 18, John starts his gospel when talking about how in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And later in verse 14, he says that the Word became flesh, and that God came and dwelt among us. He continues on in John 1, 18 to say, No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He 
has made him known. That Jesus said that if you know me, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That the ultimate revelation or revealing of God is through Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.15, speaking about Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. We see that when Paul was speaking about God being invisible, he talks about how he is uncreated, how he is, cannot be seen. He is not something that is a part of creation. Continuing on in 1 Timothy 1.17, Paul says that he is the only God. God alone is God. There's nobody else. There's no one that is God. There is only one God. You see that in Deuteronomy 6.4, in the Shema, the, the greatest commandment, before saying that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might, Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That God is one. That there is nobody beside him. Isaiah 45.5 I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me. God claims himself to be the only one, the only God. And with that, in Exodus 20, in the giving of the law, God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. There shouldn't even be anybody in comparison that there is only one God and not just a bunch of gods and he is the supreme God, but that he alone is God. And there's nothing that can compare to him. And with that, God alone is worthy of worship. Paul ends this prayer by saying, that this God, that to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That God alone is worthy to be worshipped. He alone is to have honor and glory attributed to him. And forever and ever, because God is infinitely great. Can we ever praise God enough? Can we ever give him enough honor? Can we ever give him enough glory? He alone is worthy to be praised. He alone is infinitely great. 1 Chronicles 16, 23 through 27. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations his marvelous works among all the people. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. 
And he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. He alone is great. And the false gods of the nations, the false idols are nothing. They're worthless. And we see that time and time again with Elijah on the, on the mount with where they were praying for their God to, to burn up a sacrifice. But Elijah showed that it was God alone. And they wetted it down, and they wetted it down, and they wetted it down. And it was all of the water and the moisture was licked up, and all of the sacrifice was consumed. God alone is God, and he alone is worthy to be praised. Isaiah 42, 8. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. He is a jealous God. He is a God who desires his creation to worship him alone. And in this, as you may know, when Scripture writes LORD in all capitals, it is representing his name, the Tetragrammaton, the Yahweh, Yahweh, and that is his name, meaning that he is. He is. When Moses asked, well, who do I say sent me? I am that I am. He is the existent one. And that is his name. And he does not share glory with anyone or praise with anyone. Psalm 100, verses 1 through 3 the psalmist says, to make a joyful noise to the Lord, all of the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. God alone is worthy to be praised because God alone is creator. He has authority overall. He is the only true God. And we are his people. And we're, we owe him worship and praise. Psalm 29, 1 through 2. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. God alone is holy. He alone is worthy of praise. And we're to ascribe to him the glory. We're to ascribe to him all of the things. We're to go to the nations and talk of his great works and speak of his greatness. Hebrews 12, 28 through 29. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. 
And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and in awe, for our God is a consuming fire. God is unmatchable and greater than in all of his ways. He's greater than us in all of his ways. There's nobody that can match him. And there's even things that I haven't discussed that God is so much greater in his love, in his justice, in his holiness, in his wisdom, in his deeds, in his power, his knowledge, his gifts. In all of these ways, God is infinitely greater than us and the rest of his creation, even the angels. He makes his greatness known to us. And why does he do this? He does this by being gracious, that he w- we would praise him, that we would worship him, but also that we may be humbled, that we would fear him, for he is a consuming fire. He is someone to be feared, and that we would praise him, we would come to him and worship him alone. No one can match God. No one could ever even come close to his infinite greatness. And even if we were to talk and write and discuss and, and write books about and movies about and all the things that we could ever do, we would never run out of things to say, to speak about his greatness. And we see that evident even through Jesus Christ, that God made it in the flesh, that God on, that dwelt among us through Jesus Christ. John ends his gospel saying, all of the things, the great things Christ has done, there wouldn't be enough bookshelf space to fill the books if they were all written about God's greatness. But in our ignorance, in our sinful nation, or nature, we often try to be gods of our own life. We often try to take control. We think that we know better. We think that our ways are better for us. Well, let me do it my way because it's more convenient for me and more profitable for me. We rebel against God's authority by trying to run our own lives. But God is gracious, and he's gracious enough to reveal that his matchless ways are far better than anything we can do. That he shows his matchless greatness through his creation and by his word, that we may fear him and serve him alone. No one can ever compare to our infinitely perfect God. Our question for tonight was, can anyone match God's greatness? And the answer being, no one can match God. He is infinitely greater than anyone else. And our memory verse was found in 1 Timothy verse one, or chapter 1, verse 17. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I'd like to 
read from Psalm 113 as an exhortation for us. That Psalm 113, that we are to praise him for he is great. So I'm going to go ahead and read in closing Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is seated on high? Who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust, and he lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. We're to praise the Lord, for he is above all things. And he alone is worthy to be praised. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your greatness, that you are an unchanging, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God, that your ways are above our ways and your thoughts are above our thoughts, that we can come to you humbly, looking to worship you, that we can come to you and seek you to be in control of our lives. Lord, I pray that you would work this truth in our hearts, that we may be in awe of you, that we would worship you and praise you, knowing that you are matchless, that you alone are worthy to be praised, that you are greater than anything else. But although you are the greatest, the only true God, you have made yourself available for us that we could come to know you. You have made your greatness shown through creation, through your word, and by your Son, and we know you through the Spirit. Lord, I pray that we would continue to grow in grace in you, that we would come to know you more and walk in your ways. Lord, I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us in person, and thank you for joining us online. Have a great evening.